0: Hello and welcome to Close Talking, the world's most popular poetry analysis podcast from Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley, and with my good friend Connor McNamara-Stratton, we read a poem, talk about the poem, and read the poem again.
1: Before we get into today's selection, a quick note that if you like what we do here at Close Talking and have a spare minute of your time, it would mean the world to us. If you would give the podcast a rating and review on Apple podcasts,
0: those ratings and reviews help boost us up the algorithm and find new listeners. And
1: if you have suggestions for future episodes or comments on this one, you can send us an email at close talking poetry at gmail.com. And you can also find us
0: on social media on Twitter. The show is at close talking. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn and Connor is at Connor M Stratton. On Instagram, the show is at Close Talking Poetry, and on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash close talking. We also have a website, closetalking.com, where you can find all the past episodes of the show. And Cardboard Box Productions has just launched a newsletter, Unboxed. And if you go to Cardboard Box Productions, you can subscribe for more behind the scenes stuff on Close Talking and all of the other literary and cultural history podcasts that Cardboard Box Productions makes on with the show. Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Close Talking. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Mundley.
1: And I am co-host Connor McNamara-Stratton.
0: And it is time for our third annual, uh, no wait, fourth, fourth, Fourth this? annual. Seventh? Oh my god. Nice. <laughs> How many years? No, this is the fourth annual uh week of episodes to close out poetry month. So it's our last week of poetry month extravaganza. And uh <laughs> the trumpets have poetry returned. Week. <laughs> poetry week. For poetry month. It's poetry week.
1: For poetry month.
0: It's poetry week. <laughs> that's right it's the last (laughs) week of poetry month poetry week time here on close talking we've done it again and if i remember correctly the fanfare made an appearance during this uh portion of last year we've done haiku we did comfort poems during the early days of the uh you know ongoing pandemic and we did uh sonnets last year and this year we are tackling in some ways the broadest uh topic we've ever taken on whoa because it's all over the place in poetry that's right we're talking about line breaks
1: line breaks oh see
0: what I did look there? at that i see i see what you did I, there
1: i kind of i kind of did a line break
0: you made the line break real in the oral space of the podcast. I love it. Um, yep. I'm going to get it out of my system. I wrote down a list. There's a lot of different songs that mention lines and breaks and stuff. So here we oh, go.
1: Yeah, please. This has to be at the beginning.
0: <laughs> I'm getting them all out of the way now. <laughs> here we go. Okay. One break over the line, like one took over the line. Draw the line break, like Aerosmith's draw the line. Don't go break in my line, like don't go break in my heart. Achey line breaky heart. I think that one's self-explanatory <laughs> i walk the line break obviously uh-huh uh, who can uh who can forget the hyper problematic song blurred line breaks uh how can you mend a broken line and the rolling stones is little known b-side gem all down the line break there <laughs> got it out of my system you Wrote did it down as i thought of them throughout the day uh i you know <laughs> I can't be held responsible for any that might come to me during the process of recording these episodes. But there, got them out. I don't know if you have any to add to that.
1: No, I don't have anything to add to that. That was great. Um, we interesting. Have made- we started
0: with a fanfare and not a funky walking bass line break.
1: Oh, ba-dum, 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 okay. No.
0: Ba-dum, 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 That's the bass line break of line break week. So, okay. Right. All of that aside, okay. we're here to talk about line breaks, and I think the number one question we have to ask at the very beginning, because it underlies the entire uh, enterprise, is why break a line? What did the line ever do to you? Why are poets always breaking lines? What's up with that?
1: <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, and the fact is, poets are nonlinear thinkers, and they don't like... To be forced to walk the straight and narrow. Um, in actual fact, I'm sure there's historical blah blah blahs, but you know it comes from its relation to song, and um, you know it, it's it's a poem's got its oral roots, and we have you know same as you got lines in the verses of songs. Um, you've got lines and poems. And so it's basically a separate sort of unit of meaning that comes from the, um, you know, the non sort of sentence level of things uh, and more from the speech or the singing aspect of poetry. Um, And kind of the way that I like to think about line breaks starts with thinking about poetry and it's, kind of two relations to language, um, which are it's like engaging with language in two different ways. And there's kind of like a spectrum. I don't know. This might not be helpful to you. If it's not helpful to you, think about it. You can please feel free to ignore. But on the smallest level of language, you got sound. Then you can get a little bit bigger and you get up with a word a little bit bigger, you get a phrase. Then you might level up to a line, and then you might level up to a sentence. If you're thinking about, um, you know, different genres or different mediums of of writing, you know, you can you can go up from there, like some, you know, like paragraphs, chapters, etc. Um, these are sort of like containers, different size containers of language. Um, and the other kind of like axis, if if you will, um, that poetry is doing stuff with, especially. I will. All right, all right, especially contemporary poetry, I think. Um, and and kind of like from from the, you know, as as we get into the writing, as it sort of leaves its oral oral roots somewhat, um, you get kind of on the one side speech. And on the other side, writing. Um, and these are sort of related but different. And so you have, you know, some poems that are, you know, like very spoken. Um, and we've talked about a number of that. You get some that are very written, you know, for like there's a, a section two of the Vijay Shashadri nursing home poem is in the kind of medicalese language. And that's kind of like a language that's, you know, very much in in writing, right? Um, And yet, then you get uh, poems like uh, Dreams by Nikki Giovanni, and that is emphasizing a lot of both spoken and sung language, um, which is kind of on the other. And then you have poems that are all in between. Um, So... Yeah, that's kind of like and so then when I start to think about line breaks is it's kind of this moment where um these both of these axes are kind of like interacting with each other in a way. Um so like it's a time when maybe the the speech part of the poem can like come out and be emphasized or um you know if if say like a poem is you know we have like our own cadences the way that I you know, <laughs> which I unfortunately have in in the process of of editing we both have become of editing podcasts we both have become all too familiar with our own cadences <laughs> of speaking um which have certain so pauses true. and certain so you know, I could, in theory, break up the lines of you know, if I were to make this transcript lineated, um, I could say yeah, yeah, and no, yeah, but um, so, and each yeah would be its own line or whatever, um, <laughs> something like that. And then at the same time, um, you know, you have from your sound a word, a phrase, to line, to sentence kind of where I think about it is like the, you know, if you think about those moments as like self-contained kind of things, like breaking it kind of like at one of those things creates a kind of opportunity perhaps. So like if you're breaking the line, say before the sentence, which is you know a common one like you know, you have uh I walked line break the line, Johnny cash because
0: line break you're mine. I <laughs> line break walk the line break line.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um the kind of the moment is you know you have your i walked is its own line but then it's it's part of a longer sentence that occupies two lines for i walk the line etc but then you also have you know maybe you break it up in the middle of a phrase like you know um i'm just trying to think of um, once
0: upon you know, line break a time
1: exactly um and that might sort of highlight certain things that it wouldn't otherwise. And so um, that's kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm it's, it's a totally thing that I, it's a totally thing. So it is a totally thing, but I think it makes a lot of sense
0: because essentially what you (laughs) get to do with the line break is you get to like create a different kind of meaning out of the building blocks of language that you're normally handed. You know, it's one of, it's kind of the superpower of poetry is the line break. Like it's what it does that no other written form does in quite the same way, um, or at least nowhere near as extravagantly. Um, and it no, and it's is true. It... And...
1: Oh, yeah. Continue.
0: oh, no, I was going to say, um, and it's, interesting because you bring up that it kind of has its roots in the like singing oral tradition um but obviously like we work in an audio medium and it's one of the things that we sometimes struggle with the most is accurately discussing where line breaks are and representing them in actual speech because over time it has become one of the most written elements of poetry as a form of writing and as a form of making meaning within poems, it becomes one of the hardest to replicate in the spoken tradition. And that's kind of has a lot to do with where contemporary poetry is, but also just in general that, you know, even beyond poets who would potentially think of themselves as being particularly contemporary or writing, you know, more experimental works, even poets who are writing more straightforward or quote unquote accessible stuff are doing a lot with the line breaks in their work oftentimes that is not necessarily intuitively or directly represented when you read those poems or when you're just talking about ideas within them. So I do think that's kind of an interesting element of all of this, because it's not like the line breaks are stage directions. And I think maybe sometimes they are, and they're giving you an idea of how the poem is wanting to be read, but they no longer necessarily track to that. And I think that's something that is, you know, just interesting to to be aware of just in terms of how the the whole, you know long history of the form of poetry has has evolved. Um, but also obviously there are times when line breaks are almost completely removed uh, from sort of the oral tradition and they're being used to like do concrete poetry or make a specific shape on the page. and it's not like they necessarily leave behind all of the various, other conceptual ideas and it doesn't mean that they're not still giving you different ways to access meaning within the lines themselves but the kind of loudest thing that they're doing is like it's a poem about sight and it makes the shape of an eye on the page that's entirely constructed because of the way the lines and the text are built and the way the lines are, are broken um i thought of the example of the collection Ghost of by Diana Khoi We talked about her poem Family Ties back in episode 119. Um, But that is like an entire collection where one of the big things that's going on with the way the lines and the, the words themselves are displayed on the page, not just the way that the lines are broken, but the way that the words themselves end up being represented is in different presences and absences of text, which creates a whole other element of how the idea of the line is being broken or used
1: yeah no absolutely that's a really good um sort of set of dimensions to think about because I think also yeah right so you have kind of um poetry kind of uneasily being this audio and visual uh (laughs) medium um And, and yeah, and you have, and, and, and line breaks being a sort of visual tool to indicate a kind of sonic, uh, oral thing, basically, which is, which is kind of why they're, I think they can be sort of challenging to understand sometimes, like without a lot of context, um, but also why they're kind of like very exciting in a lot of ways, um, both for writers and for readers. Um, and I think that it's but you're you're absolutely right that part of the the development, you know, in, in a kind of like the line break as we know it now is sort of only possible, you know, in the aftermath of of the printing press, basically, where you have um and and then it, it becomes even more well, yeah, it's it's just you you basically as as let's put it in a more <laughs> general way as like as we sort of um, were able to exert more control over how language appears on a page um, that became a more like deep space to experiment with in the writing process um, so like when there was writing but maybe not printing. You know, you, you could have, you do have line breaks like Ovid's metamorphosis, metamorphoses is like written in a kind of meter, you know, that has a line and, and it was written out in a kind of thing. Um, you know, like, I think it's often, a often Greek poems are in a sort of hexameter where it's like six feet or something like that. Um, but the kind of, you know, a situation where you have like a really long line and then a really short line and then a word is like on the is right justified on the page. You know, those are sorts of things that um, only become kind of easily possible when you have printing and and you do see like, um, you know, George Herbert, who we talked about. Um, I think at least maybe prayer, uh, one of his poems, he, he, and he was around during the English Renaissance. So many hundreds of years ago. Um, But he, in his book, he actually did some of the early concrete poems where he has a, I think a poem called uh, that's about an angel. And it's like in the shape of kind of an angel with wings and things like that. Um, And, you know, you have like E.E. Cummings later on, who, you know, is making kind of, You know, and that that the typewriter really kind of explodes, I think, with poetry, the kind of the page as a kind of also, yeah, it's like the line and then the page is another kind of spectrum of of space. And and he's doing all sorts of little. Well, there's just, you know, there's puzzles in his poems that kind of uh, you can solve visually uh, sort of which which is sort of a possibility only opened up in that way um and and people are still doing yeah uh, ghost of is such a great example there's also um in uh Danez smith's don't call us dead they have some really interesting visual uh concrete kind of moments um in there and Laylee long soldier um in her book whereas is there's one that's in the shape of a circle um, so it's, it's still something and that, yeah, so at any rate, it's it's kind of, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're at the point where the possibilities are kind of endless. And then, you know, when you like, it's, it's often interesting, because, because different people read their poems a certain way. And like, you know, uh, like. Some people will be like, well, if it's a reading, like if I'm just reading this poem and people are hearing it maybe for the first time and they can't read along, like I'm not going to emphasize the line breaks. I'll just like, you know, basically read for the sentence because that will enable kind of comprehension, um, which is like more kind of important uh, sometimes, you know, it at a purely like a poetry reading, whereas if. If you're reading it by yourself, you'd be like, oh, wow, that there's a really strong enjambment there, which might sound like kind of either silly or confusing if you're just hearing it. Um, but then some poets do emphasize, do kind of read it exactly as it's written on the page. And so it's everyone kind of takes their own um, approach to it, I think, which is also um, can be i think sometimes disorienting at first but i think is also um there's not there are certainly like more and less common ways of navigating the the spatial and aural spaces of poetry uh but none are like right and none are wrong uh i think um so yeah um but then, yeah. And then at the, sort of at the same time, um, and it's interesting, this kind of, you know, it, this is a, this is a good, um, week of poetry to follow up, uh, you know, our, our sonnet, um, week and a little bit earlier our haiku, um, cause forms are also often sort of defined right by their line breaks or their number of lines and how that works. Um, where like Sonnets okay. It has um 14 lines usually, and the in the most traditional sense it's like 10 syllables and an iambic pentameter and da da, da da da. Um and interestingly, like it's like that sort of comes from like well, maybe that is a net na- in the English language, feels like a good stopping point for the breath, you know, like a time of year that mayest in me behold like okay that seems like a good place to end the line um that then has sort of become formalized or whatever um and and it's interesting to like thinking about line breaks in the context of haiku as it's sort of come to america and to the english language where you know it's often taught like as we kind of talked about in the purely the five, seven, five syllable sense. Um, but that sort of definition is often based off of, um, you know, the Japanese language, which has syllables that work very differently. Um, and so it's not, you know, um, anyway, it ends up being a, a somewhat like misleading way to, um, approach a haiku sometimes, um, And yeah,
0: um. I think that also just speaks in general to like the power of the line in poetry and its kind of central place because, you know, haikus and sonnets are kind of the two best known, but almost every poetic form, the line is strongly involved, even if it isn't number of lines, it's a golden shovel where it's rules about what words can begin or end a line, you know, like. The the centrality of the line, I think, is really important to just that's kind of undergirding all of this. Like the reason line breaks are so important is because the line is so important um, in poetry. And yeah, whether it's the number of lines, but also, yeah, within sonnets and haikus and many other forms, it's other specific stuff about lines, the number of words or syllables or they rhyme in certain ways. But the unit within them is the line. Um, and you mentioned enjambment. I think probably a lot of folks listening to this know what enjambment is. Quickly, if you don't, because it's important, we we'll won't be talking about it a lot. Um, and it's probably one of the biggest <laughs> things that comes up in uh, lines. But basically, end-stopped lines are lines where the sentence is the line. We talked about the poet, the poem "Stammer" by Cynthia Cruz, um, which opens with, "There is the story my mother used to tell." period. That's the line. Um, how she woke at 3 a.m. line break from a dream that her mother died, period. So that's an enjammed line. And enjambment is basically when you break the line independent of punctuation. Um, another good example of enjambment is a line, is three lines that uh, one sentence is stretched across at the beginning of Patrick Cotter's poem, The Time Traveler, which we talked about in episode 137, the absence of push in his education, line break, was unpresaged by the door's lack of wired, line break, sesame. And so there's a lot going on in those line breaks, particularly the last one where the concept that Patrick Cotter has created of a wired sesame to describe an automatic door is spread out over two lines. And there's a lot of different stuff that we're going to unpack about line breaks in the upcoming episodes. But creating that space there with the line break wired sesame doesn't actually sit together as a phrase. So it cues the listener or the reader to spend more time with it and make sure that they're really attuned to it. It highlights it as an important concept for the poem, which it is. Because um, it's a poem about imagining a time traveler, uh, like a person from the future showing up in the present day and not understanding that like the door is not going to just open on its own. It doesn't have a wired sesame of an, of an automatic door, basically, like that's a really important concept to this poem. It's the idea. Um, Patrick Cotter was nice enough to correspond with us about the poem and confirmed that that's in fact what he kind of that was the image that kicked off the poem for him is imagining a time traveler befuddled by a door that doesn't automatically open. Um And one way to signpost that is by placing this enjambment there. You don't stretch that sentence out to end it on the same line. You break off this wired Sesame idea into two lines. Um, But that's kind of touching on a lot of stuff that we'll get into more detail in in future episodes. Um, I think that's probably a good amount of stuff to start with.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great. I There's one other. It's kind of like the whenever I think of enjambments, this is like the the example I think of um which is just the Gwendolyn Brooks we real cool the pool players seven at the golden shovel which you had mentioned also the golden shovel form which is sort of based off of this poem and it's it's very short which is also nice uh for these purposes um but yeah that poem it just goes we real cool we left school we lurk late we strike straight we sing sin we thin gin. We jazz June. We die soon. And and there's great, we should, we'll link to it, but there's a great recording of Gwendolyn Brooks um, reading it herself. And she really, she reads it like she hasn't jammed it. The pool players, seven at the golden shovel. We real cool. We left school. We lurk lightweight strike straight we sing sin we, thin, gin, we jazz junway die soon I'm gonna read you and it's it's a very poems. good the, the other part too that this that poem kind of emphasizes and, and comes back a bit to the jazz that we were talking about is is the other sort of basic Thing which we've kind of I think like hovered over is just like it's a way of making rhythm and 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 sort of music with the language um, and you know both in terms of like it's a way of of making rhymes it's also just like it's a way of establishing a certain cadence to a poem that then can be disrupted and played with that's that kind of ability to kind of make music um and patterns and sonic patterns through the use of the line is another kind of sort of big element that I think that the the Brooks would be real cool really um gets home. Totally.
0: And yeah, and that's something that we're gonna be getting into in I think quite a bit of depth later on in this series. I think that's probably gonna do it for this first episode back tomorrow that's right you don't even have to wait you don't even gotta wait i know it's already weird it's not a friday and this episode's coming out what's going on you don't even have to wait because we're going to be back tomorrow to talk about drama in line breaks dun,
1: dun, dun. <laughs> we will
0: we will see you back here tomorrow have a good one check it out Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is co-host Jack rossiter Munley. Just reminding you that there are a ton of ways that you can get in touch with us, and we love to hear from you. You can send us an email at close talking poetry at gmail.com or the show and Connor and myself are all on Twitter. That's another great way to connect. I am at Jack Rossiter-Munn. Connor is at Connor M. Stratton, and the show is at Close Talking. You can also find us on Instagram at Close Talking Poetry or on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking. See you next time!